Hi, this is Pastor Tim Crick, and you are listening to the weekly sermon podcast of Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, a part of the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us online at www.htelc.com. We worship on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m., where you are never too late and there is always room for one more. We hope you can join us sometime, and we hope you find the sermon you're about to listen to helps you to understand and experience the depths of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. So we continue our service with the first reading, which comes from Joshua 24, 1 through 2a, and 14 through 18. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. They presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Now therefore revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Ammonites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight. He protected us all along the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Word of God, word of life. Please stand as you are able for the reading of the gospel. Today's gospel comes from John, the sixth chapter, verses 56 through 69. Jesus said, Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man descend, ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe and who was the one that would betray him. And he said, For this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, Do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. You may be seated. 
Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have sung that. You have sung that for years, for decades. It's been sung for centuries, for millennia, actually, right? It's part of the liturgy that we frequently do. The liturgy is things that guide us through our worship service. They aren't just words that somebody thought, you know what, this sounds nice, makes nice poem, we'll write this down and then we'll all say it together. But so much of our liturgy, so much of our order of service comes directly from Scripture. That we rely on the long history of those who follow Christ and have gone before us, and we use their words to help guide us in our lives. Their words are our words. Our words are their words. And our words will be those who have still yet to come. For we are not just individuals. We are a collective body of Christ, united as one. And so one of the comforting things I find, anybody ever go through a hard time in your life? I'm going to bet you are not the first person who has ever gone through that time before, correct? Or you will not be the last person to go through that, correct? Whether it's loss of a job, whether it's cancer, whether it's loss of a spouse or a child. All of those things, right? You are not alone in. So when we say these words... You are not just saying them yourself. We are saying them collectively. So this is one thing I really like about, you know, communal prayers that we say or the liturgy, you know, this order of service that we have. There are times in which I can't say what we have in here. Anybody ever else feel that way? You see the words, you just think, not today. I don't know if that's what I believe. That is okay. You don't have to say it if that's where you're at. We have a liturgy to speak for each other when we can't ourselves. Does that make sense? So if you're ever in a place where you can't say these words, I'll say them for you. Your neighbor will say them for you. The person who sits on the opposite side of the sanctuary will say them for you. Because there will be a day in which I can't say them. In which someone else can't say them. And we're going to rely on you to say them for us. Does that make sense? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. If you have ever wondered, what am I doing? I'm out of here and want to leave with all those other people that have left before in this story, right? You're in good company. So what is going on that they were really upset about that was causing people to leave? We get a glimpse of it. We didn't read this, or we didn't preach about this passage last week, but we are, we get a glimpse of it here, right? It has to do with this practice of what we now call communion. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. The bread and the wine. We got to remember a little bit about John's community in which this letter, in which these words were written to. They were a small, ostracized community from the local synagogue in which they are really wondering, have we made the right decision? 
because their life has been turned upside down. Because this community they once were so intimately part of has kicked them out because they are following Jesus. They are claiming Christ as the Messiah. And what they believe about Christ. There's a lot of dispute among, among it. Particularly about communion. About this eating of the bread, drinking of the wine, the body and the blood. That can really sound kind of gross, can't it, when you think about it. So most of the time, we seem to gloss over it. Or we are so far removed from it, we know it's not real flesh and blood, don't we? It's more than symbolic. There's something mysterious about it. There's something sacred about it. But it's still bread and wine. So here's what I was going to say about the children's sermon a little bit, right? With the bread and the wine, it doesn't change. It doesn't become flesh, and blood. But it's more than just the spirit of Jesus is present in this room. Somehow Christ is present in the bread and the wine. And I've talked about this before. Everybody look at your hands. Right? Whose hands are they? They're your own hands, right? If Jesus is somehow present in the bread and the wine, and you eat the bread and the wine, where is Jesus somehow mysteriously present now? And you, so look at your hands. Whose hands are they? They're Jesus' hands, aren't they? Whose eyes are they? At some level, they're Jesus' eyes, aren't they? Ears. You get where I'm going? Mouth. Knees. Head, shoulders. Knees and toes, knees and toes. Which, if these are somehow yours and the hands of Christ, somehow mysteriously at the same time, makes you think, what am I doing with my hands, doesn't it? If your mouth is not your own, makes you think twice about what you do with your mouth, doesn't it? Or what you say with it. How about with your eyes? How do you see things? Not what so much. How do you see things? Does that make sense? When you look at someone, who do you see? When you look at situations, how do you see them? Somehow Christ is present mysteriously, right? In these disposable cups that we're now using. And somehow Christ is somehow mysteriously present in us. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Right? These are not your own hands. Now, the thing about communion, it has been used over the years really to drive the church apart. Places have divided. They've wars over it. They, right? Buildings have, you know, just broken up over it. In fact, one of the greatest uh, splits in church, the Great Schism, 1054, uh, part of it was about how do we view the Holy Spirit as we got from the Father and the Son or just from the Father. And it is this time that we went from one church to an Eastern church and a Western church. The Eastern Orthodox Church, right, and the Roman, Western Roman Catholic Church is because of this disagreement over not just where does the Holy Spirit come from, but how do we view communion? Is it appropriate to use 
un, or is it appropriate to use leavened bread during communion? Or does it have to be unleavened bread? The Eastern Orthodox Church is insistent that it needs to be unleavened bread. And I believe it's because when the Israelites left Egypt, right, they had to leave in the middle of the night. They had to bring stuff with them. They didn't have time to wait for the bread to rise. It had to be unleavened bread. And as, as they were saved, right, the Passover lamb saved them from Egypt. Christ, the new Passover lamb, saves us from sin and death. And so to connect those two, you need to use unleavened bread. We might think that's kind of silly today, right? You're going to break up the church over whether you can you put yeast in it or not? But that's part of the thing. But for us, that's not it. But yet people are leaving the church, aren't they? And it's not over whether it's leavened or unleavened bread. It can be over a host of other reasons. Other reasons why you have made one, maybe wanted to leave. Because teachings of Jesus are difficult. They're not easy, are they? In fact, if we were to go through and think about what are those things today that could cause us to want to leave the church? What are those things that would preface it as Lord, to whom shall we go, right? Everyone else is left. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's really hard today, isn't it? We oftentimes go to war instead of love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to get into heaven. I'd rather not deal with that one. Would you rather not deal with that one? Right? Richest country in the history of the world is where we live. Sell all your possessions and give to the poor. Pick up your cross and follow me. Remember, we've talked about this isn't when bad things happen to you, as if it's bad luck. This is just my cross. I have to bear it. Granted, it is a proactive thing we are doing that might lead to some heartache on our part. Pick up your cross and follow me. I'd rather... I will come back. Neither Jew nor Greek nor male nor female. We're really good at dividing people up, aren't we? But Christ says there are no boundaries. There are no borders. There is no... What other categories could we put in there today that would really offend or upset people? There is no Jew nor Greek, slave nor female. American, Canadian, Afghani, Russian. We're all one in Christ. But we'd rather put borders up and say, you're in, you're out, you can do this, you can do that, you can't do this. Christ takes away all of that. Um, when Jesus is approached and said, your mother and brothers are outside, what is his response? Where are my mother and my brothers? You are my mother and brothers and my sisters, right here, right? One of the integral parts of how we define or how they define themselves of that day. Who you are was your family. There was no kind of social mobility whatsoever. You were your family. Blessed are the peacemakers. 
turn the other cheek. If someone forces you to go to one mile, go two. Take your tunic. If someone takes your tunic, give your cloak also. You cannot serve two masters. One will love one and hate the other. Don't worry about the clothes you wear, the food you eat. Look at the birds of the air. Are you not more precious than they? How many people worry in their life? Anybody think twice about the clothes you wear? Anybody buy new clothes when you don't really need them? I'm wearing a new pair of pants today. I didn't need this pair of pants. But they're on sale at Banana Republic. If you have lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. How many times must I forgive? Seven times? Seven times seven? Here's what I think was going on in the world and the church today, why people are leaving. We don't want to talk about these things, do we? These are too difficult for us, aren't they? We'd rather talk and argue about other things that are going on in the world than deal with what really needs to be done. And the rest of the world looks at it and says, you really don't believe what you say you believe. Because we'd rather not deal with this. I'd rather not deal with it. Does that make sense? Because it's really hard. And here's the last one I think is the hardest and yet the most important. You are loved. Not because of what you've done. Not because of what you've not done. Not because of what you're capable of doing or what your potential is. You are loved. Period. Think about someone you really care about. They are loved, period. Think about someone who you can't stand. Be honest, you can think of that person, can't you? They are loved, period. Not because of what they have done or not done. Not because of what they are going to do or not going to do. They are loved because God loves them. Period. They are part of God's creation. They are loved. If we were really to do these things, if I would really be, this is why I say I'm more of a prophet than a preacher more times, right? A prophet tells you what you want to hear and whether, you want to, whether or not you want to hear it. Does that make sense? I'd really make some people angry, wouldn't I? If we really said, no, nope, this is, right? Can you see why sometimes it's easier? Path of least resistance is easier sometimes, isn't it? I know that's true for me. But God calls us to a cruciform way of life, that we die to ourselves and live to Christ. 
So a world that is hurting, a world that is suffering, a world that is too violent and too hateful and too angry and too whatever you want to say, right? We have the opportunity to be part of healing, to love, to forgive, to restore, to be part of a process that makes new. Not just to gather in here to remove ourselves and to curse what's going on out there. That'd be easy, wouldn't it? Happens in too many places. Let's just hunker down, be angry about what's happening. Why can't people wake up? Why can't they, right? They're the problem. Nobody ever says that, do they? Instead, right? God loves, we love, period. May you know you are loved, and because of it, may you go and love to the best of your ability. Amen. That's the sermon for this week. We hope from it you learned a bit more about God's love for you and the world. Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, you are loved.